Everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It's here. It's playing night. Lakers versus Timberwolves at the Crypt. We're previewing it with Locked on Wolves host Ben Beacon. That is next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome everybody, everybody. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky from Locked on Lakers, Ben uh, Beacon from Locked on Wolves. It's here, the sort of playoffs. It's Lakers versus Timberwolves at the Crypt Tuesday night, um, and uh, I'm excited. Everyone else is excited. I have to ask, though, what the hell is going on with Timberwolves? I, I couldn't tell. I mean, like, who knows? It, it's never a dull moment. Uh, it's always a roller coaster, and in a lot of ways, what happens Sunday um, I take your pick of the like three different storylines that everyone's talking about nationally about the wolves, which doesn't only happens when something terrible happens. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it's a microcosm of the season for the wolves. Honestly, that that's the best way I can put Sunday in a nutshell. Um, like how much, if at all, did it feel like this has been something building with Rudy Gobert? Because it, it feels telling that he's the only one that got disciplined despite it being, uh, well-reported and not disputed that if anything, Kyle Anderson may have been the one who crossed the line more in terms of the stuff being said. Right. For yeah. people who might have missed it, if you for somehow you've been under a rock for the last 48 hours or so, uh, Rudy Gobert punched uh, Kyle Anderson in a uh, huddle, sideline huddle, uh, during Sunday's regular season finale against the Pelicans. He has been suspended for Tuesday's game. And this is on top of uh, Jaden McDaniels not being available because he punched a wall. He didn't yes. get suspended for doing that, but he broke his hand. You guys are real fighty on Sunday. Very fighty. Very a lot punchy. of a lot of punches. Yeah, a lot of punches. Um, and, and, and I guess the you're. I mean, you're right. The the reporting is all that everything. Nothing has really been reported. What Rudy Gobert said. It's only what Kyle Anderson said. But we all saw what Rudy Gobert did, which was he tried to punch, and I guess kind of connected with Kyle Anderson's chest, shoulder area. Um, I, I think that's, I think that there's, yeah, the, Rudy Gobert is kind of a, um, you know, there, there's this underlying narrative about whether or not he's a good locker room guy. Like there were mixed reports when the Wolves traded for him. And like, you know, there's all these guys that vouch for him. The Wolves brought Del Dempson to the front office. He was an assistant coach with the Jazz when Gobert was there. And he spoke highly of him, of course. And Mike Conley came over and said great things about him. And, uh, but it does always kind of feel like there's a little bit of an undercurrent there where, you know, not everyone's uh, D'Angelo Russell was actually one who it wasn't really a secret that D'Lo and Rudy Gobert did not really see eye to eye on or off the floor. Um, but at the same time, there was never anything like tangible reported like, hey, everyone's unhappy with Rudy or anything like that. Um, so, I, you know, and everyone said the right things after the game. You know, Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley, the two probably, you know, veteran voices that you're going to want to hear from both kind of said, almost identical things like, Hey, we're men, we're adults. We're already past this. You know, Rudy's apologized via text. Like we're, we're, we'll be all right. We'll move forward. Um, so, I mean, we'll see if that's really true, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, um, it's maybe a little bit telling I, the, the obvious thing that the wolves can lean on is Gobert was the one who threw a punch. And so that, that would be the reason he was sent home. He was suspended. I think the wolves can lean on that. Um, the, the I would say that the, uh, 
the narrative um certainly on social media throughout monday late sunday into monday all that kind of stuff was that no mcdaniels that obviously hurts minnesota's perimeter defense no gobert um some people think that isn't such a big loss but at the very least you're down a center and without nas reed um you're mm-hmm. short on big people um that that this has a really big impact obviously on the game and basically hands it to the Lakers. I saw a lot of Lakers fans though, uh, because we're a frightened bunch right now and not necessarily used to prosperity. Um, noting that the Wolves were significantly better in the second half without Gobert on the floor. Sure. Um, and that schematically it might actually help them out a little bit because it takes Anthony Davis further away from the basket. You know, he's got to you know sure. run around with Carl Anthony Towns, maybe all this kind of stuff. When you get down to it, with all the guys missing, is Gobert, let's start with him, is Gobert being gone a loss for Minnesota, or is it kind of a sneaky game? I mean, I think it's it's unequivocally a loss. I would say this even if Nas Reed was healthy, and if Jaden McDaniels was healthy, because Rudy Gobert is still a good player. Um, but it's even a bigger deal, or, or an even bigger deal, I should say, with no Nas, and also with no Jaden McDaniels, because now you're talking, you're... Uh, you know, Rudy and Cat play together a bunch. They start together, but with no Rudy, you call him your first string center. He's gone. Nas is your backup center. He's gone. So it's just Carl Anthony Towns. And then you're playing Kyle Anderson at the five, or you're playing Nate Knight, or you're playing Luca Garza at the backup five. And Carl Anthony Towns is one of the most foul pro foul foul prone players in the entire NBA has been for the last several years. Um, so that's, that's the biggest issue. I would say to Lakers fans that may have caught, you know, the second half of that game Sunday, the Pelicans just aren't a good matchup for Rudy Gobert. That's that's part of it. Um, you know, Valanciunas only played 22 minutes. The Wolves struggle with him. But besides that, the the Pelicans eat up drop coverage, and that's what Rudy wants to play. Um, and Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum kind of had their way in the mid-range, or, or at least were able to when he was in the game. And the Wolves were a little more creative defensively with no Gobert. Uh, but, I mean, Gobert's played pretty well in general against the Lakers this year. I know Anthony Davis had... I think 38 against the wolves the last time the two teams played, but earlier in the season, I mean, Gobert had a a 22 and 14 the last time they played the Lakers. And that was um, Anthony Davis played in that game. That was post trade deadline as well. So, I mean, Rudy's played pretty well against the Lakers. He's still a, a plus defender. He's still a huge part of what the wolves do defensively. And maybe the biggest thing is now the depth is completely gone in the front court for Minnesota and cat is foul prone. And he like, as great as he is, and as you know, possibly even more touches as he'll get, which is a good thing offensively. Uh, if he picks up two quick fouls, if he picks up three quick fouls, completely changes the dynamic of the game. Yeah, I, I was going to ask um, with J- with Jaden McDaniel's not being there and him being, I think at least one of, if not the primary guy that you would be looking to put on LeBron, mm-hmm. and the combination of no Gobert and no Nas Reed, just in terms of guys that would be occupying Anthony Davis in some fashion. What do you expect the Wolves to do now that they're lacking so much size? That's a great question. I I don't know what they're going to do with LeBron. I mean, kind of like all season, it's been, you know, McDaniels takes the, the primary offensive option on the other team. And then Anthony Edwards would often take the second, unless it's a point guard, in which case a lot of times Ant would take on that responsibility. Ant is a legit plus on ball defender, but the advantage he, I mean, he's really good on the ball. Um, but the and, and I think a lot of people might have seen that sequence at the end of the Pelicans game. He strips Brandon Ingram, gets the end one on the other end. Like that's he can. No, do he's that. improved a ton. Yes, and 
And that started like mid last season. I mean, he loved that John Morant matchup in the playoffs and, and um, you know, he wants those matchups. The problem is, and the reason why even the defensive metrics would agree for the most part, he's a plus defender, but he gets dinged because like, uh, like Saturday when they played the Spurs, I don't think he contested a shot for like half the game. Um, like it just, it just, he needs that matchup to get him going defensively. And he's still kind of, you know, back and forth off the ball in terms of his consistency or lack thereof. Um, so, but a lot of the advantage that Ant has on guards is size and he doesn't have that advantage if he's guarding LeBron James. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I would think it's Kyle Anderson is probably the one that they're going to say, Hey, you know, go give us your best and, and we'll, you know, try and bring help. Um, Kyle Anderson's kind of the the Swiss Army knife that they hand the toughest assignments, and it may legitimately be backup center in this game too, uh, depending on how much they're willing to Chris Finch is willing or not willing to play Nate Knight and Luca Garza. Um, and by the way, Knight and Garza have been pretty good when they in their limited time this season, but you get things get exposed in a single game play or in a playoff series, and and there's a reason both those guys are you know third string centers in the league. But anyway, I think we'll see a lot of Kyle Anderson on LeBron. Um, Torian Prince to a lesser extent, he's, I think lost a half step defensively and has struggled some in, in isolation this year defensively, but, um, it's going to be just kind of throw everything at him and, and make somebody else beat you. And you put Mike Conley on D'Angelo Russell and, you know, you hope he can hold his own. Um, yeah, that's probably the strategy. The other thing, Ben, that I've been seeing a lot of is, you know, this is, and obviously, you know, it's social media, but like, you know, you, it's up to Anthony Edwards. It's an Anthony yeah. Edwards huge game, and he's capable of putting up, you know, 45 or 50 or whatever. And like no talk of Carl Anthony Towns, who, yeah. by the way, is listed as questionable for the game on Tuesday. But let's just assume that he plays. He's been where, questionable the last three or four games, correct? Yeah. Like yeah. heading yeah. into it with that calf. Yeah. Okay. Where is Cat like in this conversation? Um, and why do you think he is kind of being overlooked at least it seemed like to me and you know and, and the because you know a year and a half ago we you know two years ago we were talking about like can carl anthony towns lead this and he's carl anthony towns so what's going on yeah. here with that yeah i mean i don't want to get i don't want to get full like national small market conspiracy theory thing or uh, deal here on you guys but um th- it is true carl anthony towns and rudy <laughs> gobert are two of two of the best like I mean, they're both what unequivocally probably top 25 players, maybe top 30. I mean, I I could argue probably they're right around the 20th to 25th best players. And they're as, as maligned as you could be for guys who have both made multiple all NBA teams. Nobody wants to talk about them in a positive way nationally. Like, I mean, you're hundred percent right. Like when was the last time we heard now, granted he missed 52 games in the middle of the season. Um, But even lately, like he dropped, I think he had 30 in the game on Sunday. He had a stretch where he scored nine of 11 points for the wolves hit a three from the logo. Like it was as the wolves were kind of surging past uh, the Pelicans in the early fourth quarter. And of course it was overshadowed by the, all the punches and everything that we talked about earlier. Um, and Ant had the, the stretch at the end of the game, but like, you're not in that position if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't just decide, Hey, I'm going to take over right here. Cause Ant was two of 10 at halftime. He had six points at halftime, eight turnovers for the game, which no, nobody wanted to talk about either. Carl Anthony Towns is far steadier at this point than Anthony Edwards. Um, and he's still the better all around player. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and really you're going to see probably, I would guess more than half the wolves offense runs through Carl Anthony Towns on Tuesday night. Um, they do a lot of posting up a lot of mid post stuff with towns. He can score in a variety of ways. He can play back to the basket. 
Uh, he can initiate from the top, and, and and that's what he did a lot of last year. He did far more attacking off the dribble than he did spot-up shooting or post-ups last season. Um, and so perhaps the Wolves get back to some of that. But Towns has been pretty good since he came back from injury. He had a couple game-winning free throws clutch. He hit a clutch three late in a game to give the Wolves a win. And yet the story is still Anthony Edwards because he, obviously he's still the new. He's 21. Uh, it's so exciting. What could his ceiling be? Um, and I get all that, and I'm, I obviously love Anthony Edwards, but Carl Anthony Towns is still the best player on this team, and he was the best player on the floor, all things considered. Even if Ant had the most jaw-dropping stretch late in that game, all things considered, Cat was the best player on the floor on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that it, it's interesting as somebody who's covered Anthony Davis now for a few years, covered Pau Gasol for several years. Some of this can come down to just the vibe that yeah. you put out. Like Anthony Edwards, and I love Anthony Edwards. He's a... He is going to be a great player for a long yeah. time. He puts out more of a killer vibe than Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, it gets accentuated by his performance in Hustle, where he played like the psychologically bullying opponent of Aaron Gomez. And by the way, Ant was totally convincing in that role. Yeah. Like he, oh, yeah. he was so convincing. We had a film critic on our show last year who happens to be Amy Nicholson. She's a huge uh, Laker fan on top of being um, a film critic for the New York Times. She did not even realize that Anthony Edwards was a basketball player. She just thought he was a damn good actor. Like, that's how good he was. So I think that can speak to some of what I, I think Brian was asking about in your answering. Just sometimes yeah. it's just the vibe that you put out there. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's that's us picking your brain on the, the Timberwolves side. Next, you're going to fire some questions at us about the Lakers, what we're expecting to see on Tuesday night. Um, more crossover Lakers-Timberwolves Tuesday night next. Locked on Lakers and Locked on Wolves brought to you by Game Time. Years ago, some friends of mine and I, we wanted to go see LL Cool J in LA at the really last minute. We didn't know how to get tickets. We ended up buying from a scalper and they were fake. We ended up through just total luck getting into this show, but I vowed never again after that because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And that's why I love Game Time, the fast, easy way to buy tickets for all sports. Music, comedy shows, theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun. And I love how Game Time offers images of the seat views because there's nothing worse than a bad angle. They got the lowest price guarantee, can event cancellation pr uh, protection, even job loss protection. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will credit you 100 10, 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, the tickets go directly to your phone and you're set. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off your first, pur your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, Redeem the code locked on NBA for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, turning the tables a little bit, just talking uh, you know, a few questions about the Lakers. The Wolves actually only saw the Lakers three times this year, so Wolves fans may not have seen a ton of them, unless and I think we have likely some Wolves fans kind of hate slash love watching the Lakers, depending on how you feel about all the former Wolves that have been through L.A. this season. Um, and Andy and I talked uh, several weeks ago now about D'Angelo Russell, and uh, we ended last segment talking about D'Lo. So I think that's a pretty good place to start. Um, 
how has D'Angelo Russell been in general from a Lakers fan perspective? And I guess playing that into a fan perspective and also from your guys' perspective, how has the fan base taken to him in his reintroduction to L.A.? How has he performed as a Laker? And also in this matchup, I mean, how important, what role is he playing? How, is imp- how important is he offensively to the Lakers game plan? Well, I, I think Laker fans have often been wanting more from D'Angelo Russell, but I mean literally like on the court more. He's missed a fair amount of games since they acquired him, but when he's played, he's actually been really good. And uh, Brian and I have talked about this a lot since the trade deadline. His energy and his enthusiasm has often been extremely contagious and infectious for this team. He actually talked after the Utah win that uh, solidified the seven seed about the energy that it felt like he and the other new guys post trade deadline brought to a team that, you know, at the, at the risk of sounding judgy, uh, could really have used it. Um, he's also talked about how he and Austin Reeves were now the starting backcourt. He's gone out of his way to compliment the hell out of Reeves and how much he loves playing with him. He's he's often been a real difference maker for this team. And you can there's a dynamic presence that he has both in an ability to set up players for shots, but also to his ability to play off ball and like that that you can find utility from him just spacing the floor or sometimes cutting. You know, defensively, I think he's been fine. Um, you know, I know he does not have a great reputation defensively, but you know, the Lakers have been very good since the trade deadline defensively. So even acknowledging that he's missed a bunch of games. He hasn't hurt anything on that end either. He's been trusted to close games when, when he's been available. And I I think a lot of fans, they're excited by what they've seen as maturity since he's come back. And, you know, there, there's it, – it's, I think, sometimes easy to forget just how young D'Angelo Russell was when this team drafted him. And he was young for his age. You know, he was a very young 19-year-old as opposed to, say, Brandon Ingram – or Julius Randle, who were very old 19-year-olds. Um, but I would, I think Laker fans have been very happy with him. I think Laker fans would like to see him re-signed. So, so far, so good. That's so interesting. I, I feel like that was one of the things that... I, I kind of remember that when the Wolves traded for D'Lo, and it was like two weeks before the season halted because of COVID back in 2020. But I, I feel like I remember that sort of a thing right away, where it was like, this is exciting, like... You know, this is a guy who's been an all-star, like he can score a bunch, but he also had like his his vibe was just more positive. And it, it kind of, you know, waxed and waned, I think, over his time in Minnesota. And 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 this year, I think it was maybe the Rudy dynamic that accelerated that, the lack of having Carl Anthony Towns on the floor, the, you know, some of those things. And I mean, a couple of the points you made related to on court, like when he was when he was he can be an average defender, and that's all you need him to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't need him to be much more. He's he's a big body, he's a smart player, like you just need him to to try defensively and hit, you know, he could play off ball. And so that's a really good fit with LeBron. Um, you know, from an encore perspective, I, I do think that fit totally makes sense. Um in general, the Lakers have have played really well lately. They've won, I think, nine out of their last eleven. Um, what what would you guys say the Lakers have done best, you know, since over the last call it three weeks or so? Well, over the over the course of this winning streak with guys in and out of the lineup, obviously LeBron injury, um, you know, D'Lo being in and out. 
what has been the the best thing that they've done over the last few weeks that they didn't do early this year that could potentially carry into the play-in and potentially the playoffs? I I think there's no question the defense since the trade deadline has been what turned this thing around. Like the offense has been better. You know, they shoot the ball better. Um, You know, Anthony Davis has been better. Um, But what fundamentally changed the Lakers was defense. You know, I, I don't know where they finished, but they for a long stretch of the post deadline time, they were the best defensive team or, you know, top two to top two or top three, depending on what metric you're using and whose metric in the league. And they have been able to get stops up until, you know, the last three or four or five games, I think because the, the fatigue factor of trying to having to win all these games and, and, you know, only having a few games, that they could give up and all that kind of stuff, playing without LeBron, playing without Anthony Davis, playing without D'Lo. I do think it's caught up to them a little bit over the last, you know, the last week or so of the season, the end of that road trip, and then coming back home. But unequivocally, it's defense that has changed for the Lakers since the deadline. Yeah, actually, I think we saw a really good example of that defense in the recent game against the Timberwolves uh, that the Lakers won in Minnesota. Um, Rui Hachimura, his defense against Carl Anthony Towns was game-changing, and the, his ability to bother uh, Cat from keeping him from getting to the spots that he wanted. Rui actually has been better defensively than either one of us expected or his reputation. Like, he's not a, a brilliant defender, but he is much better than expected. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, particularly when LeBron is available, he's able to serve now as this very versatile, disruptive defensive wing, which he can be very, very good at. Um, D'Lo ending up with uh, with the team put Dennis Schroeder now off the bench so Schroeder can bring that point of attack defense to the second unit. Um, he is extremely disruptive and had been disruptive in that game against the Timberwolves. And then AD's the anchor of it all. Um, and you know he's at the top of his game. Anthony Davis is as big of a game changer defensively as anybody in the league. And then. With everybody, I think, slotted correctly at full strength with the new additions, they've been able to mix and match parts of their defense to, I think, strengthen both units. Like Austin Reeves got moved into the starting lineup. He's one of their better defenders, but Troy Brown is now part of the bench, and he can be he can be solid defensively there. Um, they're just top to bottom now, much better equipped defensively, and even I'd even say better defensively than they than you might have thought on paper before all this stuff began. Yeah. And, and something that I, in terms of this matchup, I guess related to that, the, the wolves rely heavily on they, they don't do a great job of getting to the free throw line, but when they are, the offense becomes much more efficient. The wolves offense has actually, if you look at the, where the wolves and Lakers finished in terms of offensive and defensive rating, they're in similar places. Uh, the wolves also were far better defensively this year. A key to the Wolves offense is like, hey, if Ant's getting to the basket, if he's getting to the line, you'll be all right. If Carl Anthony Towns is on the floor and not in foul trouble, the offense is going to be much better. Um, on the flip side, the Timberwolves foul a ton. We talked about this specifically in regard to Carl Anthony Towns earlier, but as a team, and I guess you know, Jade McDaniels for this game, obviously, either with the broken hand, um, and he gets into foul trouble a lot, but he's also the Wolves' best overall defender. So... I don't think that changes. I think the Wolves will commit a bunch of fouls. The Lakers are great at drawing fouls. I think they were second in free throw rate this year. Um, across the three games between the Wolves and Lakers, LA has a, a plus 19 
in terms of free throw attempt differential. That's not made free throws. That's just attempts over the three games. And that's not really an anomaly because of who the Lakers are offensively and who the Wolves are defensively. Um, what, what's the biggest key from your guys' perspective in this matchup? Is it something along those lines? Is there is there something that the Wolves have that you guys perceive as a strength that you'd be worried about how it matches up with the Lakers' weakness? Or or uh, what are you guys looking at, uh, you know, the, the headline in terms of the matchup? Yeah, I just, I think like the Lakers, you know, even with the, the addition of Russell and Beasley, they're still not a particularly great three-point shooting team. They've gotten better, uh, and and some nights are better than others. Um, but they're not really high volume. So even when they're shooting the ball well, they're not necessarily going to make a ton of threes because they don't necessarily take a ton. Um, but they do get to the line a bunch. They're not a great free-throw shooting team. So if they're above percentage there, that's really... So I, I always kind of look at it as like the Lakers can get away with not getting the, you know, they can sort of not get to the line if they're making a couple extra threes. They can uh, turn the ball, you know, they can avoid, you know, maybe not shoot the ball so well and maybe not have the the, the amount of three, uh, the amount of free throws if they don't turn the ball over. It's like some combination, like two out of three of don't turn the ball over, make your three pointers, get to the free throw line. Any two of those three yeah. things generally plays pretty well for the Lakers because like you say, they don't, send other teams and even when they're not defending well you'll just tend to get straight buckets against the lakers or well, get them in transition you're not going to get those points generally speaking at the free throw line and minnesota by the way too one last thing that popped in my mind when brian was mentioning about like limiting you know limiting your own mistakes the lakers can be very prone to turnovers and often self-induced turnovers and if the wolves are good at capitalizing on that that can be something that a, they can, you know, they can get some points or just steal away for some possessions from the Lakers, but also to maybe start bothering the Lakers into second guessing themselves, you know, altering what they're doing out there too much because they're just turning the ball over too often. Yeah, and uh, the Wolves are a very volatile transition team as well. I mean, they they've gone through stretches where they've been terrible turnovers this year. They finished the year uh, like bottom three in terms of turnover rate, um, but. Also, transition offense and defense. You'd think the Wolves would be a great transition team with how athletic, uh, well, and now you're down McDaniels, but with Anthony Edwards, you just kind of assume they'd be good in transition, but they have not been great on either end of the floor in transition. So uh, that's one of those things that that could crop up in a game like this too. Um, last question for you guys. I, I think more of a, uh, a fun a fun question to be answered for Timberwolves fans who, like, let's be honest. I mean, the Wolves have made the playoffs now, well, technically, they're still out of the playoffs. It, we'll call, we'll count this three times in the last nineteen years now. Wow, um, yeah. So, wow, I can't. Yeah. I count it. I'll count. I it. don't. I mean, even if we don't, two times in the last eighteen years, we'll call it that. I, mean, I wouldn't um, hang a banner, but I'll call this the playoffs. Sure. I mean, who, who's counting? I mean, all Timberwolves fans, we're all counting. Like it's the last time the Wolves won a playoff series was was two thousand four when they lost to the Lakers in the conference finals. Um, oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, last year's team still holds. <laughs> let's change the subject a little bit away from that. Uh, last year's team still holds a place in everybody's heart in Minnesota because it was exciting. It was fun. It was new. It was Anta's kind of the new face of the franchise. And then, of course, they went and flipped half the roster. Um, and most of those guys have worn a Lakers jersey at some point this year. So uh, I guess we could take this one of two ways. Um, 
the, the two ways I, 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 the two things I'm curious about are which, which former Timberwolves players had the greatest overall impact versus expectations. And we talked a little about D'Lo and that he's been injured and, and things like that. So there's obviously Vanderbilt and Beasley um, or who may have the biggest impact on in Tuesday's game in the play in. I, I think Wolves fans will be, um, will, will really be torn because honestly, like, especially Vanderbilt to Beasley. Those, those guys were huge parts of what the Wolves did last year. Um, and uh, I, I know losing in the first round of the playoffs is not like doing something for most franchises, but going to game six and after winning a play, it was significant. So anyway, of, of those players, you know, who do you guys anticipate having the biggest impact in the plan? I'm going to say Jared Vanderbilt um, because I, like I said, I think that defense on Anthony Edwards is really, really key to potentially to potentially just neutralizing Minnesota from being able to do anything. I think Vanderbilt's a good answer. I feel like D'Lo is a good answer too because like it kind of go one way or the other. Like I feel like if D'Lo, if the Lakers lose, I feel like there's a good chance D'Lo went four for fourteen, you know, two for thirteen, something like that. Uh, and if they win. I feel like there's a good chance he hit three or four threes and kind of did exactly what you did. So I'm going to, I think the Vanderbilt answer is an excellent one. I will go there, but and I will say this if Beasley is f- four of seven in this game, it's over. <laughs> like there's 0% chance that the Wolves are going to win. Uh, if Beasley is hitting shots, um, that opens up the Lakers' offense in tremendous ways that I don't think Minnesota will have an answer for. And he's one of those super streaky players when when he's hot, he he doesn't miss. <laughs> We've the noticed. Barely, then he is. And We've the ball noticed. barely touches the floor. Like uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. he catches it and he shoots it. Like that's what it's just all one motion: catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. And and when he doesn't have it, he's just trying to find it. And yep. and that you know, you guys know. Oh yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, it is uh, is a huge game. It is an intriguing game, particularly given everything that's gone on. Um, two very excited fan bases to be back in this, and uh, really appreciate it. this is fun. All right, today's episode of both Lockdown Lakers and Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Prize Picks. We talked a little bit about uh, Malik Beasley shooting through. Like, I'll be honest, I think if you take Malik Beasley over on three pointers made, I think you'd be in good shape at Prize Picks. Hopefully, the Wolves still win, obviously, but. It feels like Malik is also out for events, just like Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, if you're wondering how Prize Picks works, it's extremely easy. You just pick two to six players, and if they'll score more or less than their Prize Picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That, of course, includes the NBA as well as MLB underway, currently NHL playoffs, uh, PGA, big tournament last weekend, college sports, any college sport really can make your entry in less than 60 seconds. It really is that easy. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, so thanks again to Ben for uh, taking the time to get us ready for that game uh, tonight. So much to consider. Um, I know, Andy, a lot of Lakers are overwhelming favorites in this game, it seems like. Um, What stuck out to you in terms of, you know, know, what Ben said regarding the the Wolves, particularly as it relates to tonight's game? Just how few options I feel like Minnesota has to really impose – 
their will on this game stylistically and to really dictate the terms of the game. Like unless unless Carl Anthony Towns can get Anthony Davis into foul trouble or you know LeBron who rarely if ever gets into foul trouble gets into foul trouble like unless something very unusual or unexpected happens there there's just very little for Minnesota I think that's in front of them to dictate the terms of this game to play quote unquote their way I don't even know if Minnesota has a their way to play in this game like it feels like they're going to have to accept the terms dictated to them, you know, by their own misfortunes and by the Lakers mm-hmm. and roll with them as best as possible. It just it feels like the idea of the Lakers getting put into a place of disadvantage. It's hard to imagine how that will happen. It's you know, it's funny, like I I think that you know the Lakers are not the, the, the Wolves are not going to make this easy for the Lakers. I do not think this is going to be a walkover game. Um, they've still got Carl Anthony Towns. They've still got Anthony Edwards. They've still got Mike Conley. They've still got Kyle Anderson, who's a really good player. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think this is a walk in you know in any stretch of the imagination. But um, you know, I thought his point about Gobert, and I'm not a Rudy hater. I mean, as a player, um, the guy. Yeah, he seems like he's got some some issues, but um, you know he's flawed, and that trade's not going to work out for them the way that they want. But he's still a guy who presents issues if you know when he's playing well, when he's healthy, and all that. And I think his Ben's point about how against the Lakers not having Gobert there is a problem. Maybe there's a different matchup where it isn't, but in this one, in this game that they're playing. I just I agree with them. I don't see how this doesn't benefit the Lakers greatly because Minnesota, like you said, has to play small. Like they have no choice now but to play small. The Lakers, think about how much more aggressive they can be defensively because you don't have to worry about Rudy Gobert swallowing up Anthony Edwards misses or something like that, and you know, putbacks and things like that. You know, that that's kind of its own form of gravity and then you can attack the you can attack the rim much harder and much with with much more freedom if gobert is not there even if he's a 70 percent of the stifle tower you know at his peak that's still something and well it also it also does read yeah i was going to say they also can attack the re uh, attack the read attack the rim so frequently because carl anthony town is gonna have to pick his spots in terms of when he wants to risk following right he's not a rim and he's not a rim protector anyway sure but i mean but even if he wants to be in this game or sees the necessity of it in this game he has to be really careful because the back line behind him is basically non-existent yep unless one of their third string centers has like the game of their life so you know the lakers need to be disciplined and focused because we've seen over the last four or five games when when they're not playing that way, they can allow lesser opponents to make a game more complicated than it should be. But if the Lakers are playing focused, disciplined basketball, even if this isn't a walkover, this should be a game that they are able they to win. control for the overwhelming majority of it. Yeah, I, I think you know it is. You know, th- there's the cliche, Andy. You know, the the wounded animal is the most dangerous animal in the animal kingdom, and that, of course, is um, untrue. Uh, wounded animals get eaten first. Uh, no, they're the most vulnerable. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think, you know, like I said, I, Minnesota's still got plenty of talent left on this roster. They are not um, like dead. <laughs> they're, they're not that wounded. But the Lakers ought to be better on their home floor. And like I said, you know, in, in the last segment to Ben, like I feel like if the Lakers can do sort of two, the, like the, the Minnesota will set a bar. And if the Lakers can take care of the ball, shoot well enough from three, get to the free throw line, two of those three things, and, you know, and, and you know, nothing really weird happens, I think they get the, the days off. And like, you know, I don't want to look ahead. I don't look ahead to, you know, a, a first round series against Memphis, which would start, I think, Sunday is where the Lakers, where Sunday. the NBA has got it. But like the opportunity for the Lakers to get Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and say, you know, travel probably Friday to Memphis and and chillax on Saturday, do a light walkthrough or something like that. Like if there, if if you want to turn the, you know. The, the the hot take or narrative or whatever the Lakers having a like being a you know real sleeper or having a real chance or even like some people I've seen call them like one of the two or three favorites in the West or something like if you want that to be a real thing, it probably requires three or four days off between to between games so that everybody can heal. But remains to be seen what happens. I have a feeling that LeBron and AD especially are going to be cognizant of that. And I'm going to be like, I will be damned if I have to do this again on Thursday. We are not effing around. Um, that, that alone, I think, will be enough of a motivating, focusing factor and why I am predicting the Lakers are going to win this yeah, game. Yeah, I, I I think the first like six minutes of this game, five, six minutes, uh, the Lakers can get out to an early lead like they did against Utah on Sunday. They will inevitably give it up because most NBA games, that's what happens. You get an eight-point lead, a 10-point lead, or whatever, and the other team makes a run. And that's how this works. But for the if the Lakers are playing uphill the entire day, that's a different thing. If they can get out to a good first quarter, finish the first quarter up six or seven, that they, they can absorb that run that's going to come at some point for Minnesota. I think they'll be able to do it. I, I'm trying not to be irrationally confident about what, you know what, what the Lakers can be, but you know, it's, given everything that's going on with Minnesota's galvanizes are going to be as you know fired up as they're going to be to prove everybody that they can stuff whatever. They just they 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 they're talent shy on on for this game on Tuesday, not by a ton, and they're not talent free. But they're talent shy for a game like this if the Lakers play up to their capabilities. Um, I agree. I think they're going to win. Uh, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show. Uh, almost 15,000 subscribers. That is a lot of subscribers. 15,000 people. That's like an arena full of people who subscribe to this podcast. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support there. We will be back, of course, after Tuesday night's game, hopefully celebrating a Lakers win and a few games off. We'll see everybody after the game.